Well, the world is about to be destroyed by a very diabolical. And the wonderful white-winged warrior has interrupted his flight across the Atlantic in order to help out. Yes, I am. The feathered fighter is here, Commissioner. Fine. Just in time for Nick, too. In the nick of time. Yes. So what do you want him to do? Say unto the wonderful white-winged warrior that the world is about to be destroyed by a very diabolical... He knows that. Oh, who told him? I did. Miss Helfing, I wanted to surprise him. Well, he knows, so what's next? I never get to say the really important things. Commissioner, giving him his orders is important. Oh, yes. Say this then to the winged warrior. Go ahead. Go, winged warrior, fast. Winged warrior. Oh, hello. I am the wonderful white-winged warrior. Yes, I have your orders from the commissioner. Okay. Go, winged warrior, fast. Is that it? Yes. You're sure you didn't leave something out? That's your orders. Uh... Well, what is it? Go winged warrior fast where? To save the world from a very diabolical. Oh, well, I'm not a mind reader, you know. Are you going? Yes, I am. You may tell the commissioner that I have heard his summons. Just and go. I... Oh, okay. Won't take very long. I'll see you around. Uh... Yes, may I help? What are you doing back here? I neglected to do something very important. Well, Senator. please do it and get on with the job. Right. Whatever you're long. Uh, good morning, Commissioner. May I have the key to the broom closet, please? Uh, yes. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, just a few seconds. Uh, take care of this. Uh, thank you. Give my regards to Broadway. Remember me to Herald Square. Give my regards to Broadway. California, here I come. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yes. Oh, hi, Miss Helfinger. Commissioner, did you want to use the broom closet, too? Would, Would you, you get, get out, out of here? here? Okay. Well, let us all take a lesson from the oral hygiene just displayed by Chicken Man. And you can bet when he meets the very diabolical, he'll be fun to be near. This takes on added importance when you remember that Sadie Lechner is both single and unmarried. Well, the moment of truth has arrived. The wonderful white-winged warrior, Midland City's crushing answer to crime and or evil, is about to confront that villainous master criminal known as the very diabolical. Yeah. Uh, hello there. Is this the secret hiding place of the very diabolical? Do you think I tell you? And I'm here to confront the very diabolical... I ain't telling that deadbeat nothing. I think you closed the door in my wing. Bird boy, you're beginning to bug me. Well, you see, the very diabolical has threatened to destroy the world. And him owing me three months' rent. And I'm here to do mortal combat. Boy, that dirty's a dirty. Diabolical? Dirty, diabolical. So do you mind if I confront him? all the gall when I lay my hands on him. I'll even mention the rent money to him. You're bending my wing. I'll break him in half. There goes the wing. And me taking milk and cookies to his room every night. I'll get your cookies back, too. Tucking them in at night and mothering them and hugging them. You're choking my neck. Now, what did you call that? A stranglehold and it's crushed my beak. Not too much later, some 14 flights up. the very diabolical. Uh, hi, I'm the wonderful white-winged warrior. You are the wonderful white-winged warrior? Uh, sorry, I don't look so good, but I ran into your landlady. Wow. 
So the long-awaited confrontation between Chicken Man and the very diabolical is upon us. Did you notice how bellicose the house lady sounded? And another thing, doesn't the very diabolical sound like bellicose? This whole thing about what monkeys or clowns or clown nations or monkeys or buildings falling down or some the cats did it like it's in the poster and like jokes and right they're all escaping me right now that chicken man just wore me out with its like well, use, subterfuge use this as of an opportunity for escape routes P- plan well and jump in Yes, it is time for, and greetings, by the way, radio listeners. And that was Chicken Man at the beginning, as usual. That was number 42. We're zooming our way into those little intro pieces. But now it's time for the Uber Radio Salon. Two hours of experimental frequencies performed live every week from the Chakra Chimp Research Kitchens of Northern California land. And you have the two of us of Big City Orchestra. And as I always say, there will be more. There are more always. We work with a lot of others all the time in different formats. Have no format shame. Extend your boundaries. Dissolve them. Okay, this is our 765th, 765th, coming at ya. Right now, we are broadcasting live on DFM. DFM, RTV, INT, Multicultural International Radio Worldwide. DFM.NU. I want to say welcome to all of our listeners who are in the chat, the radio chat community. At this very moment, there is a little bit of a disconnect going between the Discord chat and the web chat. Yes, well, it will be resolved, but for right now, those from uh, from IRC to Discord, it works for people to see you, but not the other way around. Okay. You can work it out. And we are going to do another two live, long, 40-minute thereof type experimental sets, uninterrupted. We're all ready. We've got things all patched in. Totally improv- improvised, as always. But I think we have some ideas. So hopefully, yes. And if you want to chat, by the way, all of those links are at dfm.nu. And here we go with our scheduled broadcast. Adim, 
Thank you.
Well now, I was discussing two of the great myths or models of the universe which lie in 
the intellectual and psychological background of all of us. The myth of the world as a political, monarchical state in which we are all here on sufferance as subjects of God, in which we are made artifacts who do not exist in our own right. God alone in the first myth exists in his own right. And you exist as a favor. And you ought to be grateful. Like your parents come on and say to you maybe, look at all the things we've done for you, all the money we spent to send you to college. And uh, you turn out to be a beatnik. You're a wretched, ungrateful child. And you're supposed to uh, say, sorry, I really am. But you're, you're definitely in the position of being on probation. So that, that idea of the royal God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, which we inherit from the political structures of the Tigris-Euphrates cultures from Egypt. The Pharaoh Amenhotep IV is probably, as Freud suggested, the original author of Moses' monotheism. And the, certainly the Jewish law code comes from Hammurabi in Chaldea. And these men lived in a culture where pyramid and the ziggurat. The ziggurat is a Chaldean version of the pyramid, indicating somehow a hierarchy of power from the boss all the way down. And God in this first myth that we've been discussing, the ceramic myth, is the boss. And the idea of God is that the universe is governed from above. But you see this parallels and goes hand in hand with the idea that you govern your own body. That the ego, which lies somewhere between the ears and behind the eyes in the brain, is the governor of the body. And so we can't understand and assist a system of order, a system of life in which there isn't a governor. O oh Lord, our governor, how excellent is thy name in all the world. But supposing, on the contrary, there could be a system which doesn't have a governor. That's what we are supposed to have in this society. We are supposed to be a democracy and a republic. We are supposed to govern ourselves. And yet, as I said, it's so funny that Americans can be politically Republican. I don't mean Republican in party sense. And yet, religiously monarchical. It's a real strange contradiction. So what is this universe? Is it a monarchy? Is it a republic? Is it 
a mechanism or an organism. Because you see, if it's a mechanism, either it's a, a mere mechanism, as in the fully automatic, or else it's the mechanism under the control of a driver, a mechanic. If it's not that, it's an organism. And an organism is a thing that governs itself. In your body, there is no boss. You can say, you can argue, for example, that the brain is a gadget evolved by the stomach in order to serve the stomach for the purposes of getting food. Or you can argue that the stomach is a gadget evolved by the brain to feed it and keep it alive. Whose game is this? Is it the brain's game or the stomach's game? It doesn't make, actually, they are mutual. The brain implies the stomach, the stomach implies the brain, and neither of them is the boss. You know that story about all the limbs of the body? Said, uh, the hand said, we, we do all our work, the feet said, we do our work, the mouth said, we do all the chewing, and here's this lazy stomach who just gets it all, doesn't do a thing. We didn't do any work, so let's go on strike. The hands refused to carry, the feet refused to walk, the mouth refused to chew. I said, now, we're on strike against the stomach. But after a while, all of them found themselves getting weaker, 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 because they didn't recognize that the stomach fed them. So, there is the possibility then that we are not in the kind of system these two myths delineate that we are not living in a world where we ourselves in the deepest sense of, our, of self are outside reality and somehow in a position that we have to bow down to it and say as a great favor please preserve us in existence nor are we in a system and in which we are nothing but flukes trapped in the electrical wiring of the nervous system, which is fundamentally rather inefficiently arranged. What's the alternative? Well, we can put the alternative in another image altogether, and I will call this not the ceramic image, not the fully automatic image, but the dramatic image. Consider the world as a drama. What's the basis of all drama? The basis of all stories, of all plots, of all happenings. It's the game of hide and seek. You get a baby, What's the fundamental first game you play with the baby? You put a book in front of your face. You pick at the baby. The baby's not giggling. Because the baby is close to the origins of life. It comes from the womb, really knowing what it's all about, but it can't put it into words. See, what every child psychologist really wants to know is to get a baby to talk psychological jargon explain how it feels. <laughs> but the baby knows. You do this and this, 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 and the baby starts laughing. 
because the baby is a recent incarnation of God. And the baby knows, therefore, that hide and seek is the basic game. See, before, uh, when we were children, we were taught one, two, three, and ABC. But we weren't sat down on our mother's knees and taught the game of black and white. That's the thing that was left out of all our educations. That life is not a conflict between opposites, but a polarity. The difference between a conflict and a polarity is simple. When you say about opposite things, we sometimes use the expression, these two things are the poles apart. You say, for example, with someone with whom you totally disagree, I'm the poles apart from this person. But your very saying that gives the show away. Poles. Poles are the opposite ends of one magnet. And if you take a magnet, it's a North Pole and a South Pole, right, chop off the South Pole, move it away. The piece you've got left creates a new South Pole. You never get rid of the South Pole. Things may be the poles apart, but they go together. You can't have the one without the other. That's the basic idea of polarity. But what we are trying to imagine is the encounter of forces that come from absolutely opposed realms. They have nothing in common. When we say of two personality types that they're the poles apart, we are trying to think eccentrically instead of concentrically. And so in this way, we haven't realized that life and death, black and white, good and evil, being and non-being, come from the same center. They imply each other so that you wouldn't know the one without the other. Now, I'm not saying that that's bad. That's fun. You are playing the game that you don't know that self and other go together in just the same way as the two poles of the magnet. So that when anybody in our culture says, uh, slips into the state of consciousness where they suddenly find this to be true, they come up and say, I'm God. We say, you're very difficult. You, you can very easily slip into the state of consciousness where you feel you're God. It can happen to anyone. Just in the same way as you can get the flu or uh, measles or something like that, you can slip into the state of consciousness. When, when you get it, it depends upon your background and your training as to how you're going to interpret it. If you've got the idea of God, comes from popular Christianity. God as the governor, the political head of the world, and you think you're God, then you say to everybody, well, you should bow down and worship me. But if you're a member of Hindu culture, and you suddenly tell all your friends, I'm God, 
instead of saying you're insane, they say congratulations, at last you found out. Because their idea of God is not the autocratic government. When they uh, make images of Shiva, say he has ten arms, how would you use ten arms? It's hard enough to use two. You know, if you play the organ, you've got to use your two feet and your two hands, and you play different rhythms with each member. It's kind of tricky. But actually, we're all masters of this. Because how do you grow each hair without having to think about it? Each nerve. How do you beat your heart and digest with your stomach at the same time? You don't have to think about it. In your very body, you are omnipotent in the true sense of omnipotence, which is that you are able to be omnipotent. You are able to do all these things without having to think about it. When I was a child, I used to ask my mother, of course, all sorts of ridiculous questions that every child asks. And when she got bored with my questions, she'd say, darling, there are some things we're just not meant to I said, will we ever know? She said, yes, of course, when we die and go to heaven, every God will make everything plain. So I used to imagine that on wet afternoons in heaven, we'd all sit around the throne of grace and say to God, well, now, why did you do this? And how did you do that? And he would explain it to us. Heavenly Father, why are the leaves green? He would say, because of the chlorophyll. And we'd say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But in the Hindu universe, you would say to God, how did you make the mountains? And he would say, well, I just did it. Because what you're asking me for, when you ask me how did I make the mountains, you're asking me to describe in words how I made the mountains. And there are no words which can do this. Words cannot tell you how I made the mountains any more than I can drink the ocean with a fork. Fork may be useful for sticking into a piece of something and eating it, but it won't. It is it's no use for, for, for imbibing the ocean. It would take millions of years. So it would take millions of years. In other words, you would be bored with my description long before I got through it, if I put it to you in words. Because I didn't create the mountains with words. I just did it. Like you open and close your hand. You know how to do this, but can you describe in words how you do it? You are conscious, aren't you? Do you know how you manage to be conscious? Do you know how you beat your heart? Can you say in words, explain correctly, how this is done? You do it, but you can't put it into words. Because words are too clumsy. And yet you manage this excellently for as long as you're able to
of the circus. Jerry of the circus. There's Mr. Hadley now, Rags. Go get him, boy. Mr. Hadley. Oh, hello there, Jerry. I was just looking for you. Well, what's on your mind this time, Jerry? I wanted to ask you if you found out anything about Belko yet. No, I haven't. I took your tip seriously and looked through all these things. I couldn't find a thing that stacks against him. Are you positive that the man he was with in the restaurant last night was Tonetti? fellow on the picture Spike gave you? Well... Well, you have to be pretty sure about things like this, Jerry. I might have made a mistake, but honest, Mr. Hadley, I, I don't think so. No, I, I'm sure that's who it was. I wish I could have been there with you. He listened. What? That's Belko's music now. Well, I had hopes, Jerry, of getting something on Belko so I could place him under arrest. But I didn't find anything, and I just can't arrest him if I haven't anything to arrest him for. Yeah, I guess that's right. You know, when he went out of his dressing wagon this morning, I went through his things with a fine-tooth comb. Maybe if he had any of the counterfeit money, he gave it to that other man last night. Well, that's possible. I sure wish... You that... wish we could get something on Belko because you still think your friend Spike didn't have anything to do with this counterfeiting. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. I'm just as sure that Spike didn't do anything as... Well, I'm sure, that's all. Yeah, here we are. Now, let's wait here until Belko finishes. He's just getting through now. <laughs> yeah, he sure eats up that applause. Look at that grin on his face. Yep, Belko thinks Belko is pretty good. Mr. Hadley. Yes, Jerry. Did you say you looked through all of his stuff? Everything I could find. Did you look through his costume, too? Yeah, what do you mean? I mean, did you look all through that outfit he's wearing now? Yeah, there's nothing to look through, Jerry. He just wears those tights and that leopard skin and his sandals. And that big belt. Oh, yes, yes, and his belt. That's what I mean. Uh, what do you mean, Jerry? That bell. I don't believe I get you. Well, I was just thinking. You know, he's awful careful about that bell. Careful? Yeah. I've noticed how he always feels to see that it's on and sort of pats it. Hey, what are you driving at? Well, I just thought that maybe it might be one of those trick bells that have a secret pocket in it. I had one like that once. <laughs> Nonsense, Jerry. Well, you can't tell. Oh, you're just grabbing in the straw to find something. Maybe so, but he's mighty careful of that bell. He always takes it off just as he finishes his ash and... Shh, here he comes now. Quiet, <laughs> Rags. Well, your, your act went very well, Belko. 
My art goes well always. Belko is a real attraction. Oh, hello, Jerry. Hello. Yeah, the audience gave you a big hand. Yeah. People, as a rule, appreciate a real clever turn. Well, uh, uh, excuse me, I must hurry in dress. I have something to attend to. Okay, Belko. I will see you after a while. Yeah, one thing certain about him, he sure likes himself. He look it. Yeah? See him take the belt off? Well, there's nothing unusual about that. He's carrying it loosely. He wouldn't let it swing freely if it had any importance. Well, I don't know what you mean. Well, because you say there was anything in that belt, like counterfeit money, for instance, he'd carry it differently. He's just sort of swinging it along. Say. What? Hey, come to think of it, that belt wasn't in his wagon when I went through it. If it was, it was hidden pretty carefully. Hey, I'm not going to pass up anything, Jerry. I'll pay your hunch. I'll get to that belt somehow and examine it. Well, let's do it now. Well, we couldn't do that very well. I'll just have to wait until the right time presents itself. Oh, I know how you can examine it right now. But how? I'll have Rags get it. Rags? Sure. I'll tell him to go grab it out of Belko's hand and he can bring it to us. Oh, now, wait a minute, Jerry. Oh, that he was... can do it. Honest, he can. He did that trick for a long time. When I used to go get Dad's evening paper, I'd carry it just like Belko's carrying that belt. You know, what's that got to do with it? Well... Just before I'd get to the front porch, Dad'd call Rags, and Rags would grab the paper and run to Dad with it. Oh, I see what you mean. Now, we could go behind that wagon there, and Rags would bring it to us. By the time Belko ran after him, well, we could find out all we wanted to know. You could look through it and see. See, it's a wild idea, Jerry, but it might work. Let me do it. Come on. Let's get behind that wagon. All right. Hurry. Here, Rags. Come on, boy. <laughs> Belko's just about at his wagon steps now. I hope Rags can get there in time. Oh, you just watch him go. Go ahead, then. Tell him to get it. Rags. Now, listen, Rags. Get the paper. Get the paper, Rags. Bring it to me right away. Hurry up now. Go get it. But, Jerry, Jerry, you told him to get the paper. Sure, because that's the way he was trained. If I said to get the bell, it would confuse him, and he wouldn't know what to do. Watch him. Watch him now. Why? Why, look at that. He grabbed that belt just as pretty as you please. Sure, I told you you would. And look at him coming running. Yeah, but here comes Belko right after him. Here, Rags. Here, Mr. Hadley. Here, take the belt and look at it. Nice, Rags. You're a good dog. Yes, you are. Well, look here, Jerry. What is it? Well, you're right. Here's a little pocket on the inside. Uh-huh. Find something? I'll say I did. Plenty. I'll just take one of these bills. He'll never miss so many. A counterfeit? Yep. Look. Yeah, it looks like you've discovered something, all right. Hey, here comes Belko. Hurry. Come, that dog. Come here. Bring back my belt. There. There, talk close up again. He'll never be the wiser if he doesn't see us. Here, here, Rags. Come here, I say. Now, where did that dog go? Here, Rags. Take it now and run. Hurry. Oh, so there you are. Come here. Come here now. Drop that belt. Good. He didn't see us. He didn't miss us before, though. A miss is as good as a mile. Yep. Well, we'll wait a while now. Look, Rags dropped the belt. Yeah. Belko's got it now. That's all he wanted. Here comes Rags back again. I told you he'd do it. Uh, he's all right. Here, Rags. <laughs> oh, nice, Rags. You're all right. Yes, sirree. I'm going to get you a nice big bone for this. <laughs> Jerry, I've got plenty to work on now. Belko must have several hundred dollars worth of that counterfeit money in that belt. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to check over every move he makes. In fact, I'm going to get busy right now. Did you notice he said he had something to attend to? Yes, I did. I'm going to find out what it is. You can arrest him now. Yes, I can, Jerry. 
but I'm going to watch his next move. And if I'm not far wrong, I'm going to find out something very important. Going right to the post office. You gonna follow? You bet. Come on. There he goes, over to the parcel post window. Stay right here, behind this post now. Okay. But hey. Yeah? What about the policeman you said to, to be here? Well, they'll be here all right. And you see that man at the window over there? You mean that clerk? Yes, but he's not a clerk, Jerry. He's a tea man. A tea man? Yep. That means a treasury department man. I had to get him to come down here and pose as a postal clerk. I don't think I I understand you, Mr. Hadley. Well, you see, Jerry, this case is out of my hands now that the mail's entered into it. So I had to get the Treasury Department operator to cooperate with me. Oh, I see. Only a T-man or some federal operator can open the mails and work on this case now. Where's the other policeman? That's them standing over there by the counter. Oh, I see. I was looking for policemen in uniform. No. No, I purposely told the captain to send plain clothes men. We don't want to scare our suspect. I never thought of that. Look, Jerry. Look. Belko's got a little package. Uh Uh-huh. Now, you keep out of sight, Jerry. I'll be right back. I want to talk to those detectives. Okay. Boys? Yes, Hadley, what is it? That's the man over there. That big fellow. We figured as much. Now, listen. When he starts out stopping... Get in conversation with him. Talk about the circus and his being a strong man. He likes to talk about himself, so I don't think you'll have any trouble stalling him for a while. While you're talking with him, I'll examine the package. Yes, sir. Try not to arouse his suspicion, but hold him. Now, keep your eye on him now. Mr. Hadley, he's starting out now. Yes, I see. Here. Just stand close to this corner. We don't want him to see us. Uh, there he goes. Good. They've stopped him. He's talking to those detectives. Uh-huh. Now, wait here. I'm going to check on that package. Okay, all right. I'm uh, Hadley, Mr. Harrison. Glad to know you, Inspector. I suppose this is the package you wanted my help on. Yes, that's the one. I've taken the name and address down. It's being mailed to Martin Tonetti, General Delivery, Silver Springs. Good. That's our man on the other end. Now go ahead and open it up. Well... Well, it looks like this case is about clothes. Here we are. Hey, this is a catch. Counterfeit, all right, and plenty of it. Great. Now, you'll carry on from here. You bet I will. We'll put this right through the mails, and when Tanetti calls for his little package tomorrow in Silver Springs, we'll be right there with a nice little surprise party. We'll pick him up so fast he won't know what happened. Okay, I'll take care of Velco. Yeah, yeah Velco the great is the strongest man on earth. <laughs> There's nothing Belko cannot do. You don't say. There's one thing you can't do, Belko. Oh, hello, Hadley. What's that I cannot do? Well, you can't talk yourself out of a nice long stretch in federal prison. What are you talking about? Arrest him, men. Yes, sir. (laughs) What's going on? You cannot do this. Oh, can't we, though? I I haven't done anything. These handcuffs off me. How about that package of counterfeit money you just mailed to your pal, Slippery Tonetti? No, no, I didn't mail any package. Oh, no, of course you didn't. You're not even here. You're back at the circus. Well, I'm afraid you'll have to think of a better one, Belko. We've got you red-handed. All right, men, take him away. 
I'll be down to headquarters in a few minutes. Yes, sir. Come on. Hey, hey, this is an outrage. You can't do this to me. Tell me about it, Mr. Hadley. What happened? Hey, you were right, Jerry. That package contained counterfeit bills, lots of them. He was mailing them to his pal, Tanetti. Now they'll let Sprite go free, huh? Well, how do you figure that, Jerry? Well, you know it was Belko who was passing the money now. Yes, we're pretty sure of that. Then that let Spike out of it. No, not necessarily. He's probably mixed up with Belko and Tonetti, too. Oh, no, Spike didn't have a thing to do with it. Well, we'll have to wait and see about that, Jerry. myself whistling this, going back and forth, I toil every day, this gets me through the day, it's just, just, it, it hits the spot, you know, and I, and I look forward to listening to this every day, because I know, eventually, that damn dog's going to get it. Radio listeners, and we're zooming into hour two of the Ubu Radio Salon on DFM. This is episode 765, and you just heard Jerry of the Circus, and that was episode 93, Hadley Arrests Belco. How many of you out there in radio listener land already suspected Belco? I mean, raise your hands. Raise your radio hands. I blame the clowns. Always the clowns. The clowns seem to be on hiatus. And Jerry, we haven't heard from a clown in a while. Those angry little voices. And that dog. Who I won't mention. All right. I said that. Yes, we returned from the intermission segment. Yeah, experimental frequencies. That's what we got for you. More of the same, but different in hour two. 
We're still broadcasting live on DFM Radio Television International. We got some good things coming up on DFM this month, September. Later on, at the end of September, DFM will be relaying NorCal, Northern California, Nor Noise Fest. My mouth is not Northern California Noise Fest. Three days of noise. So it will be certain hours, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at the end of this month. So we'll be mentioning this more, but lots of DFM people involved and vice versa. So yes, DFM will have the audio. So if you can't sit there in front of your screens, oh, by the way, it will be virtually presented for those who can't make it to Sacramento all three days. And we will have it on our calendar page, ubuibi.org. There is an events portal. Please feel free to bookmark that. And if you know live things that you would like me to post about, drop me a line. All right. Well, like I said, more experimental frequencies coming up right now. With this information, you will be better able to understand the great divide between the two. According to the National Digestive Diseases Information Clearinghouse, constipation is the passage of small amounts of hard, dry bowel movements, usually fewer than three times a week. Another quote from the National Digestive Diseases Information Clearinghouse is, Many people think they are constipated when in fact their bowel movements are regular. For example, some people believe they are constipated or irregular if they do not have a bowel movement every day. The clearinghouse goes on to say, normal bowel movements may be three times a day or three times a week.
Thank you.
I'm the very last horse on the merry-go-round, and the others are following me. We'll leave you laughing for this one. Hopefully, hopefully something, you got something amusing out of this. We did. We were la- We are laughing right now with you, with ourselves. All right. Thanks for listening to Oob, Oob Radio Salon. We are here every week live on DFM Radio unique to DFM. We don't do this any other radio, for right now anyway, for a while. Anyway, all right, check out the broadcast schedule for more live programs worldwide. And if you can make a donation to DFM, all these studio costs are listed on the site. It's a physical building in Amsterdam and helps all of us broadcasters from all around the world keep this stuff free from commercial interruptions and all kinds of nasty things. All right. And all of you help greatly. We will be back, as I said, and also next Sunday on a different network, the Audio Waffle, Sacramento Audio Waffle. The Zero-G mice are making a special virtual appearance on the Audio Waffle. NorCal Noise Fest on the YouTube for that. And it'll be Sunday in the Pacific time zone at noon. And you can join the chat on the YouTube. Yeah, a lot of DFM folks again. It's all cross currents. And uh, also a post-happy birthday greeting to Belda and a big shout out to The Void and all the great DJ sets on the Mixler. Yeah, we like you guys. Have fun. Keep doing it. All right. Be back next time. Thanks again. Bye.